Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. All right, Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. For this episode, we are glad to have once again the European American Chamber of Commerce for our deep dive series. I have here Christina and Mike. I'm going to hand it over to Christina to introduce our guest. And uh, here we go. Thank you, Alejandro. Hello, my name is Christina Slezinska, and I'm the executive director of the EACC Florida. We're the Florida chapter of the European American Chamber of Commerce, a platform where Americans and Europeans connect to do business. EACC provides education and updates on regulatory and legal developments of relevance to the transatlantic business community. We organize events on issues of interest to our constituency and offer unique connections and networking opportunities. We are very happy to partner with Miami Global Net on this podcast series of deep dives focusing on big picture issues and how they affect the transatlantic business activities. As we emerge from a global pandemic where economic activity took a massive hit, the economy is now rebounding and some businesses are again considering whether to expand their operations to other places. For this deep dive on expanding operations, we have a wonderful guide, Mark Moroni, who will share with us what the key triggers are when deciding to expand to another country and what key factors business leaders need to consider when making the decision to move operations to another jurisdiction. Mike is a global clients leader and North America head of business development at TMF Group, a world leading independent professional services provider with a wholly owned network of 125 offices across 83 countries. TMF has five offices in the United States, including right here in Miami, and TMF Group is a founding member of EACC Florida. So now, without further ado, I'll pass the floor to Alejandro Cervalli, our host here at Miami Global Net. Thank you very much, Christina. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great, Alejandro. Thank you for, for having me. Uh, glad to be, uh, be on your show here and, and back, uh, back in Miami as well. I've, I've just moved back. I had been here before and moved back about, uh, about nine months ago. So glad to be here. Welcome back. Welcome back. What brought you back? Uh, I, I loved living here. I, I was here um, and then had an opportunity to uh, move to Europe and to Switzerland for, for about three and a half, four years. But uh, the plan was always to come back. And, uh, and so came back um, you know, to be part of uh, and uh, you know, with, with TMF, I've been with us the, the whole time, but uh, came back to be part of the leadership team here in North America. But also my wife and I love it here. So, um, yeah, that's a big part of the reason. Awesome. Wonderful. What got you into, into the space you're in now? Sure. So I was um, into the first kind of half of my career was really focused on more financial services, uh, always international, always um, had a, a kind of desire for that. Uh, I did my MBA in Europe, um, spent a lot of time, about six, seven years living in London. Um, but then I, I did a, a stint working for a company who uh, does political and security uh, consulting, actually, and, and helping companies go into new countries. Um, and then about eight years ago, I found uh, TMF, which is kind of very similar in health 
helping companies go into new countries and understand how to operate there. Um, and, you know, really for the past eight years, I've, I've just really enjoyed it. Uh, every day it's a, a new conversation about, you know, which European country someone might come into, someone coming from Europe to the U.S., um, so, you know, it's really been a, uh, a bit of a combination of career choice and, and, and passion for kind of international uh, business, international travel, et cetera. That's great. Well, you're definitely in the one of the great places for international business and Absolutely. community and, <laughs> and city. One of the one of the largest, I would say, in that space, you know, having Latin America at our footsteps and now 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 the world as we become more interconnected, so, which is great why we're having this topic, because it's it's all about doing business and expanding overseas, right? So let's let's dive right in. So why should companies expand overseas? Sure. So, I mean, a, a lot of times, you know, companies might have different reasons for doing it, right? So you, you could have that, you know, you could have a U.S. company um, who has maybe, you know, either saturated their market in the U.S. and they're looking for new opportunities, or they're still doing very well in the U.S., but they know that, okay, you know, there's a big market for them in, in you know, in a specific European country, or in general, they want to get start getting a footprint in Europe. Uh, maybe their competition's going there as well. Also, you could get the opposite, right? A European company who's looking at the U.S., thinking, hey, you know, we know there's a big opportunity there. How do we go in? Um, how do we do it? Now, there could be other reasons, right? Um, you know, especially in the current market um, where people looking for employees is actually challenging. It's hard to find, mm. you know, really good people. Um, so often, um, you know, companies might be looking for, you know, okay, in, in my market, I'm having trouble finding the, the staff I want. So, um, you know, let me look in another country, um, you know, another location or where there's a skill set, right? So, um, you know, for example, in, you know, in Miami, there's, you know, a variety of different skill sets you may not find in, in other parts of the U.S., um, you know, especially with the combination of people having knowledge of Latin America as well. So, um, you know, people looking for those. And, and lastly, um, kind of two, two final ones. One is there may be supply chain reasons, especially with COVID. People saying, okay, you know, I had set up in one, uh, one country, um, all of a sudden COVID hit, that shut me down. Um, I now need to diversify my supply chain. Um, and the big one, which sometimes isn't even intentional, um, is a merger and acquisition. So, um, so for example, you may have a, um, you know, a large European company uh, who acquires another European company. And it just so happens that that company has an office and location in Miami, right? Now, all of a sudden, that might not have been part of the strategic acquisition, but now they're here, right? And, and, and they're looking at that and how do they maximize that? So sometimes M&A can play a key role uh, in putting a company into new locations that, uh, you know, have them expand quite quickly. So I like that when you, when you mentioned um, saturating your market, it sparked it sparked an, another one of the things you mentioned. You said saturation, finding employees, supply chain reasons, and mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. I was thinking, what about testing markets too? I was yeah, I was in absolutely. London. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. I I was in London once, and my friends from Peru were were tapping their credit cards. Like, you know, and I was like, I don't have that. Why don't I have that? And I called <laughs> Citibank and I was like, hey, hey, why am I not tapping my credit card like my friends? Like, so I'm like, sir, it's okay. We're testing in smaller yeah. markets. And I was like, okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. It's funny because now moving back from Europe, I often, I, I have multiple times left my credit card in a restaurant because I was so <laughs> used to just tapping my card. And then now you've got to put it in the sheet. They take it away. And otherwise, and I think probably in the last, you know, nine, 10 months, there's probably been about six different times where I've had to run back to the restaurant because I, <laughs> I forgot my credit card. <laughs> so. Is it very 
there comment for companies to test in, in other markets like that? Or is it just like, yeah, no, I think, you know, definitely, you know, especially the US being such a, a, a massive market, right? If someone's going in, you know, it, it's also good to test in a specific city, right? Or a specific market, um, because you want to figure out are, are things going to go right, right? You know, and are there some things you need to tweak um, to do that? And, and especially when you, you know, and, and you could see that someone going into Europe, right? They may say, okay, let me, let me try, you know, X country first, right? Or, or, or try going into here first before we go full-blown plan, which can be more complex and more expensive. Same with the U.S., right? Um, if you go into a lot of states at once, um, not just from a reputation and making sure that, you know, things are working right, um, but also from a regulatory perspective, you all of a sudden need to register in those states. You need to, you know, there's a lot more complexity to what you need to do. So um, it has two advantages. One gives you that test, but also kind of lowers the complexity of what you're trying to do. Got it. And these reasons... A saturation of the market, finding employees, skill sets, supply chain reasons, mergers and acquisitions, testing. Does it vary by size of the company? So I think it can in the sense of um, how the company approaches it, right? So if you have a, a large company, let's say who's already um, operates internationally, right? But they're just going into a, a new market. Um, you know, they'll have some experience in doing that. They may have advisors, you know, like us, like their law firms, uh, et cetera, who, who help them kind of navigate through that. Um, and so the kind of way they go about it, they may have kind of a set process and a plan. Um, but it also at the same time, they're going to have kind of internal processes, which means, okay, we've set up, you know, we're a big European company, we run, you know, Workday for HR, or SAP for our finances. And now we need everything from that new market to flow into what we do, right? It can create um, a lot of complexities from that side, but also um, you know, for them, depending on how important that move into the market is, it might also not get the attention of senior management, right? Where, and, and meaning it doesn't have that kind of big focus and they need someone to help them on the ground. Whereas a smaller company, right? Um, there's normally a lot that might ride on that decision, right? Um, you know, if you're a small company and this is the first time you're going into a new market, um, you know, you need to make sure that it's got your full attention. It's going right. You've got really good people helping you to, to achieve your goals on that. And it probably has the attention of the CEO on a very frequent basis, right? Hey, is this, is this going well? Um, and, and the risk is higher, right? Um, you know, if that goes wrong, it, it could set the company, uh, company back, right? Um, so I think it, it does differ depending on, on the size in terms of how you think about it, but there's also similarities. I mean, you still need to, you know, deal with the same regulations, deal with the same timeframes, et cetera. You, you mentioned leadership. What are some of the key things they need to consider before making a move overseas? So, I mean, you know, the, the natural things that companies tend to look at, you know, are, you know, is there obviously a market opportunity for them if that's the reason they're going in? Is there a demand for their service? Um, they also need to consider the, the workforce, right? So, you know, if they're a consulting company and they're going into a new company, will they be able to hire consultants on the ground who have the background they need? Or if they're a, you know, production, you know, will they be able to hire those people? And of course, the competition in the market and the demographics, right? So those are kind of core business areas. But some of the things that are often, let's say, overlooked by, especially if the decision to go in is a very kind of commercial business development type decision, um, are the complexities of that market, right? So, um, TMF, we've just uh, recently launched our, what we call our, our global complexity index. And this looks at 
77 countries around the world, what makes them more complex, what makes them less complex to operate in. Um, and, you know, what we tend to look at there is kind of in that complexity, you know, what are the things that, um, you know, let's say the time to go to market, you know, in order to set up a business, um, you know, is most of the business done in English, right, or in a, in a universal language? Um, you know, what is how, what does the employment law look like? What are the different areas look like that make it complex to operate? And these can really impact a business. Um, you know, some, some countries you can set up an entity and, and be operating pretty quickly in a week or two. Some it might take nine months, 12 months, and that can impact your, your business plan. And, and when we look at, you know, for example, you know, Europe versus, um, you know, the US or, or other countries in Europe, um, you know, for example, you know, places like France, Turkey, Poland, um, they're towards the top of our complexity index, meaning that they are more complex to operate. It doesn't mean that they're not attractive markets. They're absolutely attractive markets. Um, you know, most of our clients who are operating in Europe operate in, in, in these locations, right? Um, but it means a company needs to be ready for those complexities. There's business risk. There's actually even risk to employees if you make them directors. In some cases, um, you know, there's, there's countries that will, you know, literally have, you know, the potential for someone to go to jail or even worse, right? If, if you don't comply mm -hmm. with, with different laws, right? So there's those risks they need to take into account. But then there's other places like, um, you know, Denmark, for example, is our least complex um, place to do business. Um, you know, Ireland, uh, Netherlands, and Europe, and the U.S. actually is is towards the uh, the bottom of the list in terms of least complexity. Um, and so, you know, I think those factors can can definitely impact the kind of uh, the, the way that you need to plan to operate when you go abroad. And and you know, specifically thinking about the U.S., um, even the state matters. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, that that matters as well in terms of, you know, where you're looking to uh, to operate your business. I, I like that you're talking about timing and I'm sure that's extremely important. What about recent events? Are there should we keep in mind or, or in your view, how does that look like? How are they influencing these these steps companies want to take? Yeah. Uh, no, I, th I think it's a, you know, big recent events. I, I don't think any of us have had a conversation in the last year and a half without mentioning um, COVID or, or its impacts, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, I, I think the recent events have have mattered, right? So, you know, when you look at, for example, um, you know, the world was already becoming a more complex place with, you know, some some things coming in like nationalism in certain countries and, and some rules coming into, you know, more protect employees or protect, you know, kind of homegrown businesses, um, as well as regulations coming in to make sure that companies are kind of having global compliance and global reporting. Um, right. But then when you kind of put on top of that, you bring in the fact that, um, you know, a lot of countries have spent a significant amount of money trying to support their economies and support their people due to COVID. And, and I think as we go forward, um, we're already seeing that countries are um, changing their legislation, in other words, to you know, make sure that the companies that operate in their country, you know, foreign ones as well as local ones, are complying with the rules, obviously generating more tax income, right, which will help them pay for different programs. Um, and we can expect to continue this to happen. So companies really need to be on top of that, understanding, you know, what those implications could be, you know, just because the rule is one thing today, when you go into a new country, it may not be that in six months, right? You need to be ready to, you know, to adapt um, to really what is a changing environment. Um, so definitely has added um, some extra complexity. The other complexity it's added is, 
um, well, and, and up until recently, at least, especially if you're a European uh, trying to come to the US, you know, coming and doing due diligence on the ground um, or moving an expat in uh, has been incredibly hard for the past year and a half to two years, right? So um, that's meant, you know, a lot of uh, Zoom calls and a lot of, uh, you know, different ways of looking at things. But, you know, you obviously don't get the same feels if you are, you know, on the ground doing your own due diligence. So when you mentioned COVID, of course, some of the United States, the, the, the Europeans have, you know, have impacted, I mean, have had travel bans. We still have them, you know, yeah. I believe since two, spring 2020, you know, and the EU has eased their travel ban and the U.S. is planning to do that in November. Yeah. How does that impact the planning companies are doing? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a really interesting one because I was having this conversation around um, M&A the other day with, with somebody in a lot of, for example, the M&A that takes you into new markets. Um, you see a lot of it in the tech space, right? Um, you know, and if you think about that, that's, you know, one is because those companies are, you know, doing well in the current market, right? They tend to be, have more cash rich side of it, but also there's less due diligence needed on the ground if you're acquiring something that, you know, doesn't have a factory or doesn't have, you know, a physical presence, right? So, um, you know, I think that's had an impact of how people kind of move and the type of due diligence they do, but then also just on a people perspective, um, you know, there are, quite a few um, you know, people I know who are, let's say, Europeans who are planning to move to Florida. Their company had planned to move them here, um, and they haven't been able to do it for the last year and a half. And those are senior management positions, right? And often, you know, especially when people are making that first move into a new country, um, you know, in the past, you've seen them, they'll send that expat in, right, you know, to, to kind of be there for the first year or two to kind of bring the company's culture, to bring the you know, victory. And that's, that's just been a challenge to do, right? So, um, you know, either hiring locally or, or, you know, having people work virtually has kind of become the norm. Um, I'm super excited that the U.S. has, has finally, um, you know, decided to, you know, open the borders. And I hope it stays, even from a, you know, personal reason. My, my wife is German, right? And, and, you know, it's been a challenge, right, seeing families. And, um, you know, I think there's also people who've been stuck in that from a business perspective. Um, you know, maybe an expat who moved over before their family could move over and got stuck in the middle of it, right? So um, I think on a, on a personal level, there'll be things that, you know, help us all as individuals, but also help, help businesses. And at an overall level for transatlantic trade, do you anticipate any long-term effects? Um, I, I think there, the, the long-term effects kind of from a transatlantic trade uh, are going to be, you know, really on how companies plan and, and adapt in my view, right? So um, we mentioned supply chain earlier, right? You know, I think um, anybody who's dealing in, you know, construction right now, or even trying to buy a car, right? <laughs> or, or, or trying to do anything that requires um, chips or otherwise, you know, is realizing that, you know, the, the supply chain has been really strained in, in the last year and a half, and there's been delays. And I think um, a lot of companies are, are looking at, okay, you know, how do we adjust for that, right? To, to, it's, would opening up in another location um, give us the ability to really adapt to that? So if, if one area is strained, we can, we can move production, right? Um, or is, you know, if we, for example, you know, are in a country where we've really been hit hard from a consumer market perspective because maybe stores haven't been open. You know, if we then have a presence in, you know, somewhere that's been more open, like a, a Florida, for example, right, you know, that that may be a benefit to our business because when one area is not doing well, the other one is. is. And I actually had a conversation um, with a client the other day who, um, I mean, they're, they're a global uh, company in kind of um, fashion retail. And, you know, I think when you look at what they do, right, you've got, you know, Asia's actually come 
back pretty strong for them, done really well. Um, US has actually done pretty well. And, and Europe, you know, is is mixed depending on really kind of what the rules have been in terms of shopping and what you can do and otherwise, right? But being the fact that they were in multiple markets allowed them to to balance things, right? So I like that you mentioned Florida. We are in Miami down here in, in South Florida. So why should European companies choose Florida? Miami specifically. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And, and um, anybody in Miami has, you know, seen seen in the news, you know, a, a big influx of, of companies uh, coming here, uh, which is great to see. Uh, you know, I think I saw an article the other day that ranked um, both Miami and Tampa as one of the, you know, areas where there's there's a lot of businesses um, moving into. Um, so, you know, which is which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, one comment I would make, right, is that of any company, um, so a European company otherwise coming into the U.S., um, definitely should, you know, seek kind of tax advice or other advice, right, in terms of where they where they could be located and what that should mean to them. And I, I'm personally not a tax advisor, so I'll, I'll say that up front. But I think, you know, when, when you look at kind of Florida and, and Miami and, and you start comparing it to kind of doing business overall in, in the U.S., right, and the attractiveness of doing it, right, you've got the, we talked a little bit about, you know, that, that access to Latin America, Central America, a lot of companies um, are here for that, the, the diversity, the multilingual, po multilingual population, right? Um, you've got certain areas where there's a lot of real estate investment, right? And, booming growth on the tech side um but also you know you have other things that you know can make it attractive um you know so you've got you know employees and hiring employees right now is is one of the hardest things that a lot of companies are facing right so um you know in florida you've got uh well, part of the reason i'm here right is, is i came here because it's an attractive place to live um you know not just from a um a weather perspective or otherwise, but you've also, if you compare it to other states from a tax perspective, right, it's, it's, a, it's a good place for, for people to be. Um, but then when you look at it from an employer perspective, and I was looking at some um, stats that come from the Tax Foundation in terms of different states and how they rank, and, and they actually ranked Florida fourth overall um, as a state in terms of forming an LLC and operating that LLC. Um, and what's interesting when you look at that is um, the three states that were ranked ahead of Florida, Wyoming, South Dakota, and Alaska, obviously are much smaller demographic, right? Much smaller population. Um, and when you look at those kind of big population states outside of Florida, uh, they tended to be towards the, the bottom of that list, right? So, so Florida has that combination of one, you know, being large population state, um, you know, quite attractive from having that diversity of population, um, but also, um, you know, really has gone out of their way to be attractive to businesses, um, you know, from a, whether it's from a, a tax perspective or from a setting up perspective. And I know that, you know, for example, the European American Chamber of Commerce, you know, works a lot with companies who are, we're looking at how they come in um, and really, you know, working with, um, various teams here to help them set up. And, and I think there's a lot of that support in, in coming to Miami. You know, Miami's kind of very open for that and wanting people to come in and operate here. So, so for me, I, I think it's a great place to be. I'm super happy that our, kind of, you know, we've got a big office down in Brickell, um, you know, and I, I look forward to, uh, to the days when, you know, there, there's a lot of activity of everybody going back into their offices because it's, uh, it's definitely a, a buzz that's, uh, that's happening around Miami. Oh, for sure. Once once we get over this uh, pandemic and then the international community here in Miami was very, very robust and still is. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I know Christina can for sure testify the activities and the delegations and the movement of international is huge. And it's awesome because everybody yeah. wants to connect. Everybody's friendly. Everyone wants to grow. So, yeah. so if I'm a company in, in Florida, 
I'm a company in Florida. Are there any countries in the in in Europe in Europe that are more beneficial for me? Sure. So, I mean, I think in terms of what's beneficial to operate in really does depend on the company and what you're trying to do, right? So, um, you know, if if someone is trying to open up, um, you know, shared service centers across Europe to help them go into, you know, Eastern Europe, for example, they they might be looking at one type of country if they're trying to get into, you know, retail to sell into you know, a specific market like Germany or France, right, that might be attractive to them. Um, so the attractiveness from a kind of business and sales perspective is one thing. Um, you know, the in terms of the attractiveness of ease of doing business and, and maybe it being a little bit more like the U.S. to understand and operate, whether from a language perspective, um, you know, that's where, you know, we look at it as um, what's the level of that complexity. So, um, you know, I'd mentioned earlier, you know, the the Ireland's, um, you know, they make it quite easy to to set up and operate. Uh, you know, um, Denmark was another one um, that makes it, you know, easy to set up and operate. Now, some of the, you know, more complex countries, um, like a France, it doesn't mean that it's not attractive. It just means that you, you need to be understanding of the local cultures, norms, the employment law in order to be successful, right? Um, and so I think the, um, the, the complexities are, are less about making it more or less attractive and just being that a company needs to make sure that they have a good understanding of, of what they are so that they can be successful in, in, in those markets. I mean, of course, you've got some great markets in, in Europe, you know, um, that are, you know, with, with growth, with big populations um, that are very attractive to Florida and US companies as, as they uh, go into them. And of course, um, and, and we didn't mention this earlier when we talked about the, um, the travel opening up, obviously in, in South Florida, we've got a big tourism um, market, right? And you know, the, that, that market across Europe um, opening back up is, is huge potential and huge revenue, right? And, and I think that attractiveness of, you know, both from a bringing people in, but also going there um, is something that uh, we hope to see pick back up quite a bit. So I know that we are running out of time and I have one more question for you. Are there any other events we should keep our eyes on when considering expansion? Yeah, so I, I think there, there's obviously a lot going on in, in the world. Um, you know, when we look at kind of European companies coming into the US, um, for example, um, you of course have um, you know the the Biden administration looking to you know put their uh, mark on things in various acts uh, going through Congress at the moment, which could impact tax, right? It could impact where there's investment as well, right? So where companies could get uh, investment to to help them. Uh, there's also something that's called the Corporate Transparency Act, um, which is um, basically looking at um, what companies need to to put forward in terms of their ownership directors and, and other other elements that they need to make sure they're filing. And that's something new that's coming in next year. So, um, you know, just really companies need to, you know, work with experts who can help them make sure that they're they're following those regulations so that they can focus on, you know, th their core business, right, in terms of uh, whether it's sales or, or otherwise in operating. Going the other way, um, so U.S. companies going to Europe, um, of course, there's a lot of current events happening. There's upcoming elections. Uh, the German election uh, just happened, uh, and and they're, you know, looking at forming the new government, um, which will, you know, be different than, than the past one that's been there and there for quite a long time, right? It'll remain to seeing what their policies are, but I think it's important that um, people do keep an eye on it. Um, and of course, we've had Brexit in the news for the past many, many years, um, and, and still the kind of trade negotiations and things like that are, are you know, still kind of going through the process. Now, at, at TMF, we've actually 
um, moved the UK down our complexity index as a little bit less complex than previous years because some of that is starting to work itself out. Um, but it's definitely um, you know something to watch um, in terms of those types of things uh, across European companies, especially as people come out of or, or continue to manage uh, the situation with COVID. Um, you know, it could definitely have a, have an impact on um, you know their policies and, and where they go. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your experience thank with you. us. I think it's a key topic here in South Florida, especially Miami. And of course, thank you to the EACC, Christina. It's awesome that you always bring these interesting topics that hit at home. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Alejandro, for inviting us, the ACC Florida, to partner with Miami Global Net on this deep dive on expanding operations. And many thanks to Mike Maroney from TMF Group here in Miami for sharing your really interesting insights and expert advice. So you can find further details about our guests, Miami Global Net and EACC Florida in the podcast notes. Please check EACC Florida's website for upcoming programs and information on how to join important and subscribe to Miami Global Net to find out more about Miami's international community. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Alejandra. Thank you, Christina. It's been great. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.